We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Good to see all of you. Uh, not going to lie, I did get a little bit wet, um, so that was fun. <laughs> so I ran home and changed real quick. Um, we're ready to go, though. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Uh, Acts is located towards the latter half of that, and you can find it in the table of contents. Um, so Acts chapter 1. Today is a little bit of a different day. Uh, Not just because we're celebrating something amazing in baptism, uh, but because today is what we call State of the Church. And so what we are doing today is instead of our normal pattern of walking through a passage of Scripture verse by verse, explaining how it applies to our lives, we're going to look at what God has been doing in the last year and then look forward to the next year and all that he has planned and wants to do for us and through us. And so Acts chapter 1, even though it's not a a normal Sunday, I do want to spend just a couple minutes looking at a passage together, because I think it'll help us understand why we do this, why we take time to look at what God has done as we expect him to do great things in the future for his glory and our good. So Acts chapter 1, just the first three verses, here's what Luke, the author, says. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so what we see here in the book of Acts, as Luke begins to write about the church, the early church, and what Jesus has done through his church, we notice just a few phrases that I think will frame our time today. Luke says that he's in the first book, so he's talking about the gospel of Luke in the New Testament. Luke is the author of both Luke and Acts, and he was a disciple and follower of Paul uh, as they followed Jesus together. And so Paul trained him for ministry and helped him uh, look at some things about who Jesus was. And Luke says, he's writing to Theophilus, who was likely a, uh, a wealthier man, a man who had a certain standing in society. And so Luke's kind of writing to a skeptical audience. He's writing about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and he says in the first book, the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And this implies that what he's going to do in Acts is write about what Jesus is continuing to do and teach. And we see that word alive. He says about Jesus, after Jesus had died, see, as Christians, we don't believe that he just died. In in the book of Revelation, David Platt Uh, said so well this week uh, in a sermon he preached that Jesus said, I died, and there was a comma after it. I don't know about you, but I can't say that statement with a comma, right? If I say I died, which I can't even say that because I wouldn't be able to, right? Well, Jesus says, I died, and there's a comma instead of a period after it, which means that he's still alive, 
And so Luke, as he writes the book of Acts, he notes this. He says, to his disciples, to the apostles, Jesus presented himself alive. And so if Jesus is alive and Luke is writing the book of Acts talking about how the first book he wrote was about what Jesus began to do and teach, and he's saying that Jesus is going to continue to do and teach things, the question is, what is he going to do and teach? Well, it's the same thing that he came on the scene preaching the first time. So in Mark, we read about how Jesus comes on the scene, and what he preaches first is the gospel of the kingdom. And so we talk about how the Bible has this unified story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And another way of seeing what God is doing in the scriptures is to think about the idea of kingdom, of rule. See, God is the creator of all things, and therefore he rules over it as king, And yet his kingdom rebelled against him in the fall. His people rebelled against him, walked away from him. And instead of just saying, okay, and just letting them go, he pursued them that he might redeem them once again. And that's what Jesus is coming on the scene in the New Testament to proclaim is the kingdom of God, the redemptive rule and reign of King Jesus over all things and over his people. And so as Jesus is talking with his disciples after he's been raised to life, after dying and being dead for three days, what he talks with them again about is the kingdom of God. See, oftentimes we just kind of glaze over that phrase, kingdom of God, when we read our Bibles, and the kingdom of God was central to what Jesus proclaimed. It was what he was proclaiming. He was proclaiming that he came to establish a redemptive rule and reign in our hearts and our lives, that we might be reconciled to God through him as he rules again over the new creation. And so Jesus, as he talks with his disciples after the resurrection, before he ascends to the Father, he talks with them about the kingdom. And as Christians living today, looking back on what Jesus talked with his disciples about and how he promised, just a few verses later it talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus went to the Father and then sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the power that empowers us to live kingdom-centered lives for the gospel, for mission, on mission. And so what Jesus is continuing to do is he's continuing to establish his redemptive rule and reign through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we celebrated just now that that redemptive rule and reign has extended over two young hearts, that they have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their King, their Savior, their Lord and God. And so what Jesus is continuing to do through his church, throughout church history, is exactly this, to bring people to himself, and he does so through the church. What's he say in the Great Commission? He, he tells the disciples to go out and proclaim this message, right? He tells the disciples to go make disciples, And so as you and I think about our own church, this local body of Christ, what we have to think about is what Jesus is continuing to do through you and I for the same purposes for his own glory and our good. See, Jesus is alive. He says, I died with a comma. 
which means that you and I are living in the midst of Jesus' own work in our community, in our families, in our relationships. Jesus, the King who created all things, is still working through the power of the Holy Spirit in this community of faith to bring about the knowledge of the glory of God in our families, in our marriages, in our, in our kids, in our grandkids, and to the ends of the earth. We've got a team going to Kenya in less than a couple of weeks. And this is why they go. Because we believe that Jesus is continuing to do this work. And he's continuing to do it through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, our church has been around for 174 years, almost. So 174 years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention, our denomination, began. And our church was one of the first Southern Baptist churches. And what Southern Baptists have been known for, for decades, for 174 years is missions, is this idea that Jesus is continuing to use his church to proclaim hope and redemption to the nations. And our church has been a part of that work for 174 years. Jesus has been working in this community through this people for 174 years. And so that ought to humble you and I when we think about our role in our church. Because Jesus has been continuing to work through this church for so long, and he's invited us to be a part of it. And so the reason we take time at the beginning of the year to look at this idea of state of the church, what God has been doing, is so that as we look forward to the next year and all that God is going to do, we have faith We believe that he's continuing to work. And it's not just in the encouraging times, it's it's also in the times where we've, you know, our church has had ups and downs over 174 years, right? It's not always that you see attendance soaring and people getting baptized every other Sunday or anything like that. It's sometimes churches go through different seasons. And over the last couple of years, we've been in a really positive Uh, experience as a church. It's been really wonderful to see the ways that God is working. And so as we look at 2018, we want to look at what God has done, looking forward to God, what God will do. So in 2018, one of the biggest things that happened for our church was a leadership transition. So our our pastor, my my mentor and and friend uh, who was here for 10 years serving Jesus here in this community of faith, uh, left and we sent him out on a new mission. God called him elsewhere to participate in the work that Jesus is continuing to do in a different way. And I don't know if you've been a part of, of many leadership transitions in churches or, or seen many of those, heard about many of those, but the way they typically go is not like this. See, what churches typically experience when they have a leadership transition is they typically experience severe decline, severe financial problems, uh, members leave, people who have been there for years leave, and, and things just don't tend to go well for a while. And there's this long period of uncertainty and, and wondering, what is God doing? Is God still working through us? 
And where we're at as a church right now is not because of, of me or Cameron or even my predecessor, Luke, or, or, or any of that. It's because Jesus is continuing to work through this people. He's continuing to do things for his own glory and our good by the power of his spirit as we obey him and live out his mission together. So as we talk about where our church is at, what the state of the church is, we think about just this wonderful season God has placed us in. It's, it's, it's unique. It's not the normal experience for churches. You see, things are, are going well right now. We have a lot to thank God for. Just in, in, the, in, in 2018, you know, my, our finance team tells us that uh, because of your faithful giving, we were able to hit budget. And that's something to praise the Lord for. Because there's a lot of churches and there's seasons in our church where we haven't been able to do that. And that may seem like a mundane thing to talk about, but it's something to praise God for. As believers believe in what Jesus is continuing to do and they faithfully give towards that end. See, whenever, whenever Andrew or I or, or Doug or Cameron or, or whoever gets up and, and kind of leads that giving time in our worship service, we don't do so because we want you to give so that we can make money or anything like that. That's, that's not how giving in the church works. You see, the, the more you give, my, my salary doesn't go up. The more you give, the more that people in J-Town and around the world hear about the hope that we have in Christ. And so I just want to say thank you as your pastor for giving faithfully in 2018. I want to challenge you to continue to do that and continue to grow in generosity, not because it benefits me, but because it praises God's glory and his gospel goes forth as we do so together. And so I participate in that with you and alongside you because we believe in what God is continuing to do through our church. You see, most churches, when they go through a transition, they have this steep decline that lasts for a really long time. They go through this period of confusion and uncertainty and they just kind of search for what God's going to do next. One of the things that we have believed in here at J-Town Baptist, not just as leaders, but as a community of faith, is leadership development. And so we invest in the people that God brings to us as a church so that they might continue to serve in new ways here in our community of faith and so that they might be sent out elsewhere to serve the mission of God elsewhere as well. And so that's one of the reasons that we're in such a beautiful place as a church is because as a community, we invest in the people God brings here. That's what we want to continue to be about as well. And that's why our attendance isn't in severe decline and this period of uncertainty isn't here. It's God is continuing to work because we continue to be about the things he calls us to be about. And so when we talk about attendance and membership. There's a few things that are going to seem just a little bit mundane, but I hope you'll see the purpose of why we're talking about them. Um, just to kind of give you guys an idea, um, attendance in December this year was right about where it was in December last year. And if you've ever been in any kind of transition in a church, that does not happen. 
Wherever there is a leadership transition, there's, it's, it's years before the church is back in that kind of position. And God's not blessed us because of me or Cameron or, or things. We thank God for the opportunity to serve you in this community of faith, but God has blessed us because he's choosing to. He's choosing to work through you and I as we live out his mission obediently here in J-Town. And so if we think about just the last few months since September, our attendance has increased by about 10 people a month. And with a total gain of about 30 30 people. And if you think back to when we did that Invite Your Friend Sunday and we did some community outreach and invited people to come and and hear the gospel and things, what we we saw after that was a, a... a growth that next week of about 35%. And we had over 20 first-time guests that week. And so the reason we do these things together as a church is not so that we can talk about numbers and build numbers or anything like that. Because numbers don't glorify God. Unless the number represents something more. Because if the number represents people who are hearing the gospel proclaimed, coming to faith in Christ, and living their lives for him, that's when it matters. And so the reason we look at these kinds of things at the beginning of the year is not because they're mundane or we just want to kind of you know, bolster your faith in what's happening or anything. The reason we look at these things is because Each person in this room is here for a reason. God has us here together for his mission, his glory. And and as he works through us, as Jesus continues to work, we continue to see his glory displayed. As people come to faith in Christ, as people live their lives for him, as people disciple their children in the faith. Just a few weeks ago, we had seven new members join our community of faith, and that is something that has not happened in years. You can ask people next to you. It, it, I certainly don't remember a time since I've been here, and, and many of you have told me that you didn't remember a time either, and that is an amazing thing to praise the Lord for because people, when, when we see new members joining What we are seeing is people who believe in what God is doing through this local body of believers. And they want to be committed to that. They want to jump in and join in and be a part of that. See, when we enter into church membership, we're entering into a commitment with brothers and sisters in Christ to be about God's mission together and to hold each other accountable to living our lives for him. And so today we celebrated a couple baptisms, and at the end of our service today, we'll vote in two new members. Because whenever you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a part of God's family. And so even though Daniel and David Hampshire aren't aren't adults and they're not old enough to vote at a business meeting or, or something like that. They are a part of the body of Christ here in this community. And so we're gonna vote them in today, celebrating what God is doing in their lives and looking forward to the future as hopefully they grow in their faith and they continue to make disciples of others. I know as I've talked with Nate and Megan about their son's faith, 
they've told me of their concern for the, the faith and redemption of their own siblings and family members and friends. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a work of the Spirit of God because young children don't care about the salvation of others without God doing an incredible work in them. So we have things to celebrate as a community of faith today. And as we sing, we ought to be thinking about these things that God is doing. And as we think about even, even our facility, using it for this mission, there's things that uh, we intend to continue to improve upon so that more people can hear about Jesus here and then be sent out to tell others. And so one of the things that we've been doing is working on new signage around the campus of the church. And so you'll notice that there's an entrance sign out front and, and there's uh, decals on the side doors that have service times or this is where the handicap entrance is and they notify people of those different things. And we're constantly working on improving that signage. We're looking at getting some indoor signage that's going to help people that are new to the church understand where to go and, and what, where things are at and how they can uh, best get to the places they need to be when they're here. And the reason we do that is that we want to continue to be a welcoming community of faith that invites people in to hear about Jesus and all he's doing. And some of the things that just practically we've been thinking about is, you know, church security and safety are important as well. And so we got a ring doorbell for the office that has a camera on it. And it, it kind of has this view of people who approach the office um, and, and might try to get into the facility. And it also has this view of the playground, too. And then we've thought about, as we lead our worship services and think about response and things, we've uh, uh, kind of made, made a little bit more space in the, in the back right-hand area so that we can invite people to respond and have conversations about what they've heard and pray with someone after service. And some of the things we hope to do in the future is, is we hope to move the sound booth forward a little bit. And that might sound a little bit weird because it's been back there for a while, but here's, here's why. We want to move the sound booth forward so that we can have a, a next steps response area as well as one day a, a cry room back there so that young families, young mothers can, can be a part of the worship service even when they're needing to nurse their crying child or, or whatever may need to happen. See, we want to create an environment where people can continue to be welcomed in and a part of the worship service and hear about what God is doing through his word. And one of those things is, is just practically having a welcome center as well. So that when the sound booth moves forward, part of that uh, change is going to be constructing it in such a way so that there's a, uh, a wall that so that you can't see a lot of the sound stuff, but... Um, when you're walking in the door, but it's also a welcome center. So on the other side of that is going to be this welcome center where people, when they come in, they have someone to greet them and say, hey, welcome to J-Town Baptist. We're so glad that you're here. You know, here's some information about what you can expect, and, and we'd love to answer any questions you have. And so we're thinking of ways that we can continue to improve upon inviting people in so that they can be a part of what God's doing. As we talk about the state of the church, we do have to talk about our financial situation, right? 
So uh, money is never what people enjoy talking about, but it's an essential thing to talk about, and here's why. Here's what Jesus says about money in Matthew 6. In verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so what Jesus is saying is that money has this kind of grip on us. If, if your treasure is in material things, in possessions, in your wealth and your retirement account, your investments or your car that you drive or whatever it might be, if your treasure is in the things of this world, then your heart will follow it. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. And so the reason that we as Christians talk about money is because it has a grip on our hearts and we need the Lord to expose that and help us to see that because whenever we talk about giving, we're talking about something a lot more serious than charity. What we're talking about when we talk about giving is a battle for your heart and a battle for the nations. When we talk about giving as Christians, we are talking about worship. Who do we value as most valuable, as as most supreme in our hearts and lives? That's demonstrated by our purchases and the things we spend our money on and invest in. And so as believers, we invest in what God is doing through our local church and among the nations. And as we do that, we fight this battle for our own hearts, and we fight so that Jesus' work continues, not just here, but around the world. And so many of you have, have given towards uh, what's going to happen here in a couple weeks in Kenya. And I don't know if you've paused to just think about this, but many of you have either given or participated in helping to raise money for that trip so our team can go and do some really amazing things there and participate in what God is doing in Kenya. And we've raised almost $20,000 for that. And that's because of you. That's because you believed in what Jesus is doing and what this team will be doing in Kenya. And so when we talk about our finances as a church, we're not just talking about something mundane. We're talking about the mission of God. And so in 2018, we were able to hit our budget. That's because of you. It's because you believe in what Jesus is doing through this local body. And so, again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for not believing in me and Cameron, but believing in what Jesus is doing through this church. And we're just grateful to be a part of that as your pastors. Maybe giving hasn't been a big part of your life as a Christian, of your worship of Jesus Christ, and maybe that's just because you haven't heard it taught on a lot or, or whatever reason it might be. I think there's just some practical steps that you can take to, to participate in what God is doing in a financial way so that you can fight that battle for your heart so that what you treasure most is Jesus Christ and not 
money or finances, and so that you can fight that battle for the nations, so that people here in J-Town and around the world to the ends of the earth hear this gospel message. So there's, there's four things that I think you can do to, to grow in generosity. If you've never given anything, you can give something. You can start there. Just real simple, just give something. It's an easy way to start. And if you, if you have given something before, or maybe sporadically or, or something like that, the next step for you might be to give regularly. You might set up uh, your, your bank account or your card with easy tithes so that it automatically deducts as your paycheck comes in. I know what Brittany and I do is whenever our paychecks come in, we give right then. That's the way that we attempt to worship the Lord by giving faithfully to what God is doing through our church and among the nations. And maybe if, if you give regularly, one step that you could take to grow in your generosity is to give a tenth of your income. So a lot of people talk about this concept of tithing, and, and I think tithing is a great place to start for Christians. I think Jesus calls us to an even greater kind of generosity with the things that he gives us because it's all his anyways. But tithing is a great place to start just to continue to faithfully give towards what Jesus is doing in your community and around the world. And if you've been giving for a long time and it hasn't really been something that you've thought about much, maybe you've tithed your whole life and you just, like, you thought that's just kind of the end, that's kind of the goal, that's what Christians do. I think Jesus paints a broader, greater, grander picture for us of, of giving and generosity in the New Testament. And so one thing that you might do by faith is to give increasingly. So there's a few different ways that you can do that. There's what some call the 1% challenge. And so you might take what you've been giving so far and just increase it by a percentage. And just believe that the Lord is going to do more with that extra percentage that you give than you could ever do with it. And another way is, is we have needs all the time that arise in addition to just the normal needs of our church and our mission. We have things like uh, Bibles for women in Kenya. And those are, those are $10 a piece, I believe, right? And we need something like 150, 160 more dollars to provide those Bibles for those women. And these, see, you and I typically don't understand how significant that is. Because you and I, we go home and we have a shelf full of Bibles, different translations and, and different ways of looking at the passage and things. But most of these women have never read a Bible and never had one to call their own. And so one thing that you can do is give so that a woman in Kenya that you will likely never meet and never hear of again knows the same hope that you do, that you and I have access to and often don't even pick one of our 20 Bibles up, right? And she would just be thankful to have the opportunity to have one and to read it. And you can make that happen. And so there's things like sending ladies to women's retreat that might not be able to go if they don't have a sponsor, someone who can help with that. And you can do that for 125 bucks. 
You can make sure that a lady who wouldn't have had the opportunity to fellowship with others in the church and to hear teaching from a biblical gospel-centered teacher that will help them think through some of the things they're thinking through as, as women, you can make that possible too. See, we, we constantly have needs that arise and things that come up and, and opportunities to give. And sometimes we just get stuck in our rut of giving what we've always given. Friends, there is such joy to be found in participating in what God is doing, not only here, but around the world through our own finances. Because 10 bucks to give a Bible to a woman in Kenya who's never had one is a lot better than 10 bucks at a fast food restaurant or Starbucks for a cup of coffee, right? I mean, she'll treasure that the rest of her life and learn about Jesus because of the $10 that you gave. And this is, if I'm not mistaken, the last day that we have the opportunity to do that for that need. So I hope you'll consider doing that. And if you, if you still want to do that, I hope you'll approach one of us or you'll just go online and designate your gift through Easy Tithe, through the website, through jtownbaptist.com, and, and designate it for that end for the Kenya Fund. There's other ways to give. There's, there's ways to give uh, each week in worship service through the offering. There's uh, easy tithe through the website, jtownbaptist.com slash resources slash give. And then as you shop, you can also give to God's mission. So you shop on Amazon. I order stuff from Amazon all the time. And so the way that I set my Amazon account up is so that it takes this percentage of what I spend on the things that I need or, or purchase for myself. It, it gives towards what God is doing. And so you can find that on the website as well. As we talk about looking forward to 2019, one of the things that we as a staff, as leaders, have just been, uh, has been on our hearts and we've been thinking about for our church is just, we love families here. And God has blessed us with a lot of young families and we want to take that strategic opportunity God has given us and invest further in our families. And so one of the ways we, we do that is through what we call family ministry and, and milestone ministry. And, and another way that we do that is, is through emphasizing the safety and security of our kids. So we'll talk about milestones in just a second and, and that idea. But first, as we've thought about our facility and our personnel, our volunteers, and the people who serve so faithfully here at Jaytown Baptist, we want to protect our staff, our volunteers, and the kids that God blesses us with here so that they can have a safe environment to learn about Jesus and grow as disciples of him as we hopefully one day send them out to make disciples of the nations. And so one way that we've done that is we have emphasized what's called ministry safe with our volunteers. Ministry Safe is an organization that provides sexual abuse awareness training for volunteers in churches so that they can see signs of things that might be going awry and they can enter in and help. Or, or they can just appoint them to a leader that can, can help them uh, find the help they need. And so we require all our volunteers in the children's ministry to go through Ministry Safe's training and certification as well as background checks. And so that's something we started to implement in 2018 or continuing to implement even now in 2019 so that we can provide a safe environment for kids to learn about 
Jesus Christ. And the other thing I mentioned is this idea of milestones ministry, right? So as we think about the family, we want to think about the strategic opportunities in a child's life to teach them about what it means to follow Christ. And as a church, we want to come alongside parents as they think about these things. You see, oftentimes people think about the role of the church in children's and youth ministry as though the church is meant to disciple the children. I'm thankful for Andrew Reese and and Laura and and for Andrew preaching last week uh, while I was out of town and, and talking about Deuteronomy 6 and how that gives us this vision for what it looks like to be a Christian parent and disciple our children and and things like that. And so as a church, we want to come alongside parents and equip you for the task God has called you to. And so we want to help you make disciples of your children by providing training and a strategic vision for how to walk your child along the journey of faith and understand what it means to be a Christian. And so the way we hope to do that is called Milestones Ministry. And milestones involve, uh, we, ha- we have five different milestones that we kind of see in a child's life, and some churches and ministries have more or less, and, and these are just five that we have thought about as strategic opportunities to invest in families. And so the first one is a child's birth or their early childhood. And so there's, for each milestone, there's also a moment and a class or a seminar or something that provides training and equipping for parents as they walk their children through those moments. And so the early stages of childhood and a milestones ministry are marked by what we call family dedication. And this is where parents dedicate themselves and commit themselves to discipling their children in front of their church family. So they make a public commitment to discipling their kids in the faith and teaching them the gospel and helping them understand the Christian faith. And as Andrew looked at Deuteronomy 6 last week, that's the the reason why we believe in these things, that God has designed your role as a parent to be the primary faith influencer in your child's life. So he's given you them to make disciples in your own family. One of the ways you can obey the Great Commission is to disciple your own kids. And so through Milestones, we want to weave intentional teaching about God's Word into your kids' lives and your lives as you disciple them. And we want to come alongside and help with that uh, through those specific transformational moments in life. And so the first one's family dedications, which we're going to talk about a little bit in a little bit more detail here in just a minute. Um, The second one would be a faith commitment. So we saw an example of that today as Daniel and David Hampshire were baptized. They made a faith commitment. And one of the most beautiful things to see as a pastor is, is parents who invest intentionally in their children's faith by teaching them the Bible, walking through it with them, and helping them to understand what salvation is, what the gospel is, why they can have hope in Christ, what sin is, what repentance looks like, and, and then what baptism is. 
And so I got to meet with Nate and Megan and, and their boys a couple different times as we talked through these things and talked about uh, the things they were investing in their kids through biblical teaching and discipleship at home. And I got to hear about the things they were learning and their kind of faith experience and, and walk. And it was a beautiful thing because what we witness today is is exactly what we want to see happen. We want to see parents invest in their kids so that their kids come to faith in Christ. And, it's, and, and don't hear me wrong. It's when, when we talk about a child coming to faith in Christ, it's not something that you can make sure that happens in your child. You can't save your child by the things that you teach, right? But God can save them as you teach them the word of God. And then we want to come alongside and, and help them understand baptism and what it means to make a faith commitment and then celebrate that as a church together like we did today. And then there's faith in the teenage years as, as kids get older and enter into that difficult time. And, you know, we want to come alongside you as a church as you think about uh, what it looks like for your kids to live out their faith as teenagers in the midst of a culture that tells them all sorts of other things. We want to help you understand how to walk them through that difficult season of life as they approach adulthood. And then as they become men and women, we want to come alongside during that season as they get older as well and talk about what it means to be a man or a woman according to the Bible and what God has laid out for us in terms of his vision for our lives. And then as children graduate, as they grow up and become adults and as they graduate high school, we want to invest in that time. As they are possibly sent out into other communities, uh, we want to invest in what it looks like to be a part of a healthy church, how, how the Christian life works as an adult, and what sort of things you want to invest yourself in. And so we want to come alongside you as a part of that. But the first part of this process is this idea of family dedications. And so you've probably heard of churches doing baby dedications, right? Um, and we're calling this family dedications because it's, it's, it communicates something a little different than baby dedication. So whenever you say the phrase baby dedication, it, it makes you think of, of something that's primarily for the child, right? But what, me, what we mean by family dedications is something that's primarily for the family, for the parents. And so whenever you experience a family dedication, you're not just dedicating your child to the Lord, you're dedicating yourself to be their primary faith influencer, to be the disciple maker in their lives. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have an opportunity. We haven't done anything like a, a baby dedication or family dedication in some time. Uh, so we're gonna have an opportunity for all of those families who would like to make that commitment in front of their church family uh, here in just a couple months. And so Andrew Reese, whenever he gets back from Kenya, uh, this time is we're going to offer a, uh, a short class. It's going to be an hour, hour and a half. And it's just going to walk through the beginning of this milestone process and what it looks like to do a family dedication, to dedicate yourself as a parent to discipling your child and to make that commitment before your church family and what that all looks like. And so if you're a parent or a legal guardian uh, of a child in this church community and you 
want to make that commitment in front of your church family. Uh, we're going to be announcing that date here in the next few weeks uh, for when you can take that class and then make that commitment in front of your church family. So uh, that's coming up soon, and we'll keep talking about that more and more. In 2018, we were able to help uh, a lot of people through uh, struggling with a variety of different things through counseling ministry and discipleship. We helped people walk through struggles with anger and pornography and anxiety and worry and stress and marriage conflict and all sorts of things. And those kinds of things are made possible because as a church, we believe the Bible applies to life. And we want to come alongside those who are hurting and in need of, of help and, and applying the Bible to their lives and their situations as they walk through the really difficult parts of life. And as we think about what God is continuing to do, we, the most important thing in 2019 is mission. It's what God is continuing to do both here in our community and all over the world. And so I just want to read the Great Commission to you as we close our time together today. There's many things that we could focus on, but the task that God has given us to do is make disciples. So here's what Matthew chapter 28 says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, the Great Commission is our mission as a church. It is the task that Jesus himself has given us. And so as we talk about inviting friends to the church and doing community outreach and and biblical counseling and coming alongside hurting people and helping them to see how God's word interacts with them and their life, as we think about our finances and worshiping in that way, as we think about our families and intentionally investing in them, everything that we do as a church is for this mission, is for what Jesus has given us to do. And it's really simple. Make disciples. Disciples are followers of Jesus Christ who understand what it means to honor him and worship them and obey him. And so we want to continue to teach all that Jesus has commanded us as we seek to leverage everything that God has given us for his mission and his purposes. So would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your family. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you in J-Town and in Louisville and even to the ends of the earth. And so God, we pray right now that you might continue to work here, to work through us. God, that you might help us to understand what it means to make disciples and, and how that plays out in our church and, and as we go on mission together. 
So God, help us, give us your power, give us your wisdom as we seek to live our lives for your glory and the good of all peoples. So Lord, we praise you now and we celebrate all that you have done in 2018 as we look forward to everything that you're going to do in 2019. In Christ's name.